turn your architectural designs into stunning, immersive experiences with Enscape. This innovative tool integrates seamlessly with your design software to bring your ideas to life in real-time 3D and VR. With Enscape, you'll experience instant rendering, have the ability to make design changes on the fly, and present your projects in stunning detail. Ideal for architects, designers, and anyone passionate about visual storytelling in architecture, dive into the new era of design visualization with Enscape. Visit Enscape3D.com to learn more. Most people, I feel like, don't learn about women architects in college and that kind of thing. And part of it is maybe, you know, that's not it's not the like architect work of history or whatever, partly because like that's not work that was being given to women, but also partly because like it was being attributed to men. And so sort of maybe course correcting on some of those stories so that those women are more known. And then also making sure that it's documented of like women's work today so that when we're looking back, we can see what they were doing and that there were women working today doing these awesome projects that we should be looking at. Welcome to Context and Clarity, the place where authors, experts, and thought leaders come to have engaged conversations with entrepreneurial architects just like you. I'm Jeff Eccles, and every Thursday afternoon on Context and Clarity Live, Catherine McPhail and I, and our live audiences that are joining us from all across the internet, we have a conversation with a special guest to search for clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect no matter what your context is. In this episode, we talk with all three co-hosts of the She Builds podcast. So we've been talking about women who have somehow helped shape the built environment all week. And so we're, it's all of it's leading up to this conversation today. Three friends from architecture school at Syracuse in New York. You've graduated. You, you're now spread all across the country. As, I, as we see you on the screen, Jessica's in Miami, Lizzie's in San Francisco, and Nordry's in, in uh, Houston. So you're all across the country. And I, I think we can all agree. I think we all understand now that there are a lot of women across the history of, of the profession and beyond, right? The people that shaped the built environment that have not been recognized for maybe various reasons. And maybe we get into that in a minute, but, and, and we didn't learn about these women, a lot of these women in school, but you've graduated, you've moved all across the country. Why did you decide, you know, we've got five podcasters on the screen right now. So, so we at least know, you know, where this question is going. Why did you decide to jump in and say, Hey, let's do a podcast about women. Let's do a podcast called she build. What was, what was the initial thing to, uh, uh, to say, we ought to do this. Take it away, Lizzie. <laughs> I used to tell this story for years, and now I've given the baton to Lizzie. In two years, it'll be Jessica's turn. Yeah, I'll tell the story for Nergity because it's kind of her story, but <laughs> now apparently it's my job. So, <laughs> Nergity, she was on the hunt. She loves history. And so she was like, I really want to listen to a history podcast, and I really want it to be about women in architecture. And 
she could not find that podcast. And so she thought, well, maybe I should make it myself. But that sounds, you know, that's kind of intense. So she's like, I'm going to run it by a friend of mine, right? And so she tells her friend and she's like, what do you think about this idea for a podcast? And he was like, that sounds like a cool idea, but it sounds more like a limited series because I don't know that you could like make it a long running show. And she was like, well, challenge accepted. (laughs) That's so so relatable. I love that, that you felt that way. Yeah. 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 So anyway, she reached out to Jessica and I separately and we both said yes. And so to like join her in this journey and that's kind of how it began. We do always say like, we can't really fault that guy for thinking that because even amongst ourselves we could only probably name five historic women architects before starting this show so as much as it did spur us on and we were like oh no well now we have to do it but um we we get why right so even five's a lot what five would you have said julia morgan yeah marion manny griffin zaha oh zaha's not historic but not really historic though i'm trying to remember who else there were like a couple Norma Merrick Scleric, and I did know Louise Bethune. Eileen Gray? At least my name. And I'm and Eileen Gray. Eileen Gray, yeah. Come up with. Yeah. Well, okay. So a few. A few, yeah. Not many, not many. No, yeah. not at all. I mean, we started our week this week on Monday, and we always start with a question for our, our weekday conversations, and it was, who is a woman or who are women designers, to, to leave it pretty broad, or, or who are designers who happen to be women, you know, who are your favorites, that, that kind of thing. And it was, a sl- it was slow going at first as, mm-hmm. you know, we're throwing that yeah. out to our whole community and, you know, and I was Googling at the same time, right? Because it's like, well, what if nobody says anything? You know, what if nobody, but, but we did, you know, the, the, the five or six or seven, whatever that list just ended up being, they, they came they came out and then others and, you know, some more contemporary, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I, I was trying to think because somebody mentioned this as we were talking Monday about the, the two, they said the two that were, uh, were talked about in their school. And I thought, my gosh, I don't even know, right. I don't even know if it was two or if it was one or none or three. So why do you think, right. You, you couldn't collectively maybe come up with five more, too many more than five and your friend said, I don't think you're going to be able to do this. Why do you think these stories have not been told in the past? Because as we have learned over the course of the the week, there are a lot of contributions. There are a lot of innovations. There are a lot of of uh, all of this that that need to be attributed to women. But why do you think they, they haven't been? Well, I think that we officially weren't even allowed in the industry for a lot of years before men were doing it so and also it's cultural society and a lot of women were doing all of the things but because they weren't allowed to do it all that work was getting attributed to men so I think that is one of the biggest issues why we don't know a lot of these stories is because either no one knew about their work or it was attributed to someone else do you think that's changing now yeah. I mean, obviously you're allowed to practice, right? We, I mean, yeah. you know, you know, that's a start. <laughs> that's a big difference. Yeah. That, that's okay. a difference. But, but that was one of the things that I was concerned with this week is, 
you know, how do, so the three, well, the, I'm on the screen with four women architects, four architects who are women. How do we ensure that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50, 100, whatever years from now, someone can look back and say, what's Nordry's story? Or what's Catherine's story? What's Lizzie's story? What's Jessica's story? Has it changed to the point that we don't have to worry about that? Or, or do we need to be conscious about doing something, right? To, to you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, um, you know, how do I tell my story or how do I document my work so that someone could find it in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, like it is getting better, but I also think that, yeah, like to your, also to your point, I think we need to still be intentional about, yeah, documenting work. Some of these women too, like did not do that very well, which is part of the reason too, that like some of their stuff is not as well known. And so like documenting work for sure, but also I think, you know, getting this more into like educate or just like talking about them more and more into the education sphere, because like we said, like we didn't learn about these. Most people I feel like don't learn about women architects in college and that kind of thing. And part of it is maybe, you know, that's not, it's not the like architect work of the, of history or whatever, partly because like, that's not work that was being given to women, but also partly because like it was being attributed to men. And so sort of maybe course correcting on some of those stories so that those women are more known. And then also making sure that it's documented of like women's work today so that when we're looking back, we can see what they were doing and that there were women working today doing these awesome projects that we should be looking at. Right. I know someone in the comments said critical architectural theory. And like, I think that is true because I think, yeah, unless we're kind of changing that part too, right. How we're educating new architects like that won't, you know, make its way through like the later professions as well. I don't know if you guys have other thoughts, but. Well, all of that, cause there is that part of the like how do we evoke change or what how does that affect the future so there's that part but then it's the stuff that happens outside of like the actual practice of architecture um like equal pay uh making women become principals women owned um firm ownership Mm -hmm. and things like that because women have been so much in the background of a lot of these but putting them as well in the forefront today will help get them their names out there yeah for sure I mean we we've talked about that on the show too that like schools are now very you know it's fairly 50 50 in terms of like male female and that kind of thing but that doesn't necessarily translate into leadership in firms and licensure and other things too so like there is sort of a disconnect there would be great if we could talk about or learn about them in school without mentioning that they're women, just say, here's another architect who did X, Y, or Z. You know, that would be the goal in my mind. Catherine, in some of our episodes, projects that we've studied in school, that they, they never, they hadn't told us the full story of those buildings that we've like analyzed to like the notes and bolts of it. But like Chandigar, for example, Chandigar, Le Cabousier, that's what we know. But what you didn't know is that Jane Drew was actually the one that like got the commission, but she was like, I'm too busy. Give it to this dude named like Cabousier. And then what you didn't know after that is that there's this other chick, Yui Chowdhury, Lucy, is that? Chowdhury, yeah. Yeah. She was like, okay, I'm going to be the like 
in-house architect to get these projects done. So like Corbusier barely did anything. He showed up, took the pictures, shook hands. (laughs) But it was these other two women that if it wasn't for them two, Shandigar wouldn't even exist. And I don't remember hearing that in school. Definitely not. You get get really fouled up about this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I I would like to get to the point where it's not even necessary to mention the women in architecture, Norgeri Riva did this, but I don't think we're there yet. I think that it would have helped me a lot in school. I honestly, in school, didn't even realize that I wasn't learning about women. And I think that if I would have seen someone that looked like me while I was learning, that would have changed the way I viewed my courses, my career. So even though it's not the best thing ever, but I think that we do need to make a point to mention this woman architect did this, just like Jessica told the story right now, until we get to the point where it's very gender neutral. Oh, right, right. I I agree. I'm just saying that I would be, if I live long enough, I would love to see that thing that we have to bring up. (laughs) That would be great. That's the goal. What is your, what is your process? for maybe maybe starting with deciding who you want you know whose story you want to tell and then you know as you're pointing out the research cannot be easy on at least in my head you know tell tell me if i'm wrong but the research doesn't seem like it would be that easy when we didn't learn you know the 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 Cor- corbu story is a great example if that's what most of the books say most of our textbooks from from school say how do you go about finding these stories? So there's, at the beginning, we had this Google Doc sheet that we just started name dropping all the ladies that we would come across of first person to this, first person in our hometown, our state, whatever. We just started doing that. But um, we, as we've developed seasons, we've uh, created themes for each season. And then that becomes our guardrail. Oh, and I should also mention that on that Google Doc, it's where we put, like, I call dibs. I want to talk about this lady, (laughs) and I want to talk about that lady. And that's also become a thing when we're researching. So once we have our theme decided, we look back at that list, and then we'll either pull from that list or we'll pull from others. Um, But like you said, the research, there are some women out there that we've had the privilege of um, having resources easily available to us. Um, whether they're in books or um, in website uh, databases or archives we've been able to dig into. But there's still some that they're either translated uh, or they're in a language that we none of us speak. We speak with quite a few, but that we can't. Or there just isn't enough uh, information to tell a whole story or a whole episode. So what what have been some of your favorites to research and then tell? Do, do each of you have a favorite? So I have one in mind, but she is not an... Okay, so I'll go first. Uh, the one that I have in mind is actually not an architect. Uh, okay. But we had a season of like non-architects, but have impacted the industry. So Frances Perkins, she was one of the first um, to be in the... She was the first state. woman cabinet mm-hmm. member. Yes, the first woman cabinet member. So with her, she like grew up during the time of uh, the Triangle Waste T-shirt factory fire in New York. So because of her, we had building codes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and her story is super fascinating because she dealt, she worked with a lot of these uh, tradesmen and people that basically, because of them and like uh, egress 
exit doors, fire safety, all of these things that we now do because it's like from the back of our hand, we know that we have to do it. It's because of her influence and making it into policy. Whose cabinet was she in? FDR. Rose, yeah, Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. Got it. Was she? Was it that late? Yeah, I think so. I I know she was in his cabinet. I'd have to like refer back to that. So maybe Jessica. She went to my college, so they talk about her all the time. So. Oh really? Oh cool. But even when I went to a women's college, we didn't learn about women that often. Yeah. Strangely enough, unless it was a special woman in art. Actually, one of my students a couple of years ago. So my my grad students, we do a basically a, a, a business plan competition as our pro practice class, and um, and he he wanted to do something around architecture and protecting uh, protecting workers and and specifically in the fashion industry. So she came up in in his research and in his discussion. So that was uh, that's the reason that name. Uh, was identifiable to me because of of his project. So that was that was good. My favorite is Lena Bobardi. She is a Brazilian architect and she is fabulous. Um, she's very involved in academia, theory, building. She did so many things. And her fav- my favorite project of her is called Maspi, and it's a museum. And just the way that she studied the site and she so she created a museum. And she wanted to bring the art to the people. So instead of putting the art on the walls, she created the system where the art was on pedestals. And so you walk around the art and in a way you are one with the art and you're part of the exhibition. Most of her projects are very community driven like that. And she inspires me every day. I just love her. I hope I meet her in heaven. (laughs) That's how much I love her. I was about to ask if she's contemporary or, or what period of time. So I, apparently she's not contemporary. No. Well, so one, one thing about our show is that all of our episodes are focused on women in history. So to us, that means that they've passed away. So I would say Saha is in history because just by our definition of women passing away. But the, the cool thing about it and something Jessica thought of was that at the end of the show, we com- we tie that woman to someone alive today, and we call that the karyotype. I love that. That's a great idea. So it was all Jessica. And actually, Lizzie came up with the name for the segment, so it's a group effort. Yes, it really is. <laughs> well, I just mean the karyotype being the women who were who are the pillars of you know for the yeah, building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes, yeah, yeah. So it makes sense. Dipping back into my architectural history knowledge, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would love to remember the details like Lizzie does, because I remember names and I remember things that they did, but I'm not so great with the dates. <laughs> yeah. So I can't tell you how far ago Lena Bobardi lived, but she was World War II. So. Okay. Yeah. Put her there. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, that gives us a time frame. It does. Yeah, yeah. it certainly does. Yeah. I haven't listened to that one. I'll have to listen to that one. It is so good that I had to do two episodes. Like I couldn't, I wanted to share so much of her story. We try to keep our episodes 30, 40 minutes, like a commute. Um, Some seasons we've gotten longer, but during this season, I had like a two hour episode. So we're like, let's cut this. And so it ended up being two episodes. It's a good story. Let me know what you think. Message me after you listen to it. I will. I'll message you. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So you, you have completed seven seasons. And I think is season eight is about to drop. Is that right? 
next week yeah. next week all right what's the theme places we've called home oh that's right places you could be anywhere you lived that you called home like where yes. you got mail i guess i was imagining yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah, that's a good way to put it you know nice. yeah. the way i was thinking about it anyway is i was i was i remember listening to your chapter i mean uh season seven wrap up yeah i think mm-hmm. so yeah. Lizzie, who's uh what's one of your favorites or more than one? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's a toss-up, I feel like for me. I love Julia Morgan. That was like the first episode I did. She is uh was the first uh female licensed in California. She did Hearst Castle, which is just kind of a weird, <laughs> like crazy building, but she just worked and worked and worked although terrible documenter don't do we always say like don't do what julia morgan did she like burned all her drawings that clients didn't want after because she was like my buildings will speak for themselves no julia they won't like (laughs) tell us more um and then i also love florence knoll um Mm. and i think her story was really interesting to me too she went to cranbrook and was kind of in with the serenins and that whole crowd um but married Hans Knoll who had a furniture company and I guess you know I knew the name Knoll and people might know her name Florence Knoll but it's like that company like it has become so big or whatever and she was really the driving force behind that and you know she was trained as an architect but ended up kind of doing a little bit more on the interior side and furniture design in was doing all the kind of creative parts of their company and it's the thing that always that blew me away about her was that she's the reason that we do sample boards or like um, have little sample cards because like they they didn't really do that before. But she started doing that because like the designs were very modern and clean. And so she was like, they'll get more of a feel for the space if I give materials, because otherwise it looks too stark and too bland. That's a great takeaway. I mean, it's it's one thing to, you know, to hear the story, to learn to learn about somebody, but, but the, uh, you know, when you, when you have that really solid takeaway and go, Hey, I've, I've done that. Or, you know, we've, we've worked on a project like that before. That's, that's mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah. Yeah. We have, of, we have a lot of good questions from the audience right now. Bring them in. Ooh, I don't even know which one to start with. Well, John wants to know if you've learned about yourself, what you've learned about yourselves from this whole project. Let me find that one over here. Whoa. Getting real deep. <laughs> this is, this is deep. A deep crowd. Yes. <laughs> We're very deep thinkers. All right. Okay, there we go. There go. Okay. So I guess what I've learned about myself, because it also lends itself to the answer to this question, is to not to operate without fear. Like to just like jump into it. Cause like Nordry, she came out to us and she was like, I want to do this podcast. What do you think? I easily could have said like never done it. I love podcasts, but there's no way. I don't know how. Yeah, I too no. busy. But, yeah, yeah. Or, or just I just don't know how and my, yeah. hearing my voice like oh but uh but jump you know just like and then even when you do jump there's always something that good comes out of it or a lesson that you learn um and it's a little vague answer but it's the biggest thing so like a lot of the things that we do with our podcast I always just I'm always the first one to say like let's do it and it takes these <laughs> yes. two to be like okay let's figure out how but I'm like let's just go <laughs> yeah i'm yeah, yeah. i'm the more like wait how do we how does that happen <laughs> i'm in the middle yeah <laughs> no it's good to have all those forces at, at one time building up on what jessica was saying i've learned about a lot about resilience like the resilience yes. that we learn about from the women that we talk about 
and even us doing this. I mean, the first episode we did, we recorded probably 10 times because we really had no idea what we were doing. And every time it was a little better. And even in my career, I'm I'm still going through the ARES. And there was a time that I felt like I was going to give up. And thanks to these stories and the, Julia Morgan, how many times did she try to get into the Beaux Echo de Beaux-Arts? Yeah, I can't remember. It's like at least three times or whatever that she's served. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the other day we learned about a lady. Was it the spur lady that took a test 12 times? Oh, the Caltrans. The Caltrans, Lewis Cooper. Yeah. Lewis Cooper, she took a test 12 times. And it's not that she wasn't smart, it's that she wasn't allowed to practice in the field. And practicing in the field is how she would be able to get the experience. So instead of giving up, she decided to go back to school. She figured out a way to do it, to push through, to reach her goals. And I don't know, maybe it's super cheesy, but to like the ladies and the stories inspire me to keep being resilient, keep taking the ARE, just keep going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, again, I think that's one of the things that's important about these stories is what, what do we take away from this, right? It's when, when these stories aren't being told, you know, about these historical women, they're not being told. We, we don't get to see the resilience. We don't get to see the, the obstacles, the struggles and all of those things. So I think that's one of the important things that you're doing is you're bringing some of these things to light. I think that's a great example. Yeah. yeah. Lizzie, how about you? You want to, have you uh, learned anything about yourself? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think similar to these two, just like not, not being afraid, like, cause I, I will say I was the most skeptical of like, we're going to do this and like <laughs> only our parents are going to listen to this. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, so I think too, just like, you know, yeah, like this idea that, uh, you know, the reception has been really great. And the fact that other people are really interested in these stories as much as we are. And like, um, every time that just finding so many names, I think is very inspiring. And has like, inspired me to feel like, oh, yeah, no, like what you're doing, it like, I don't know, it's worth it, like something's happening because of it, and that kind of thing. And it's really important work. And I don't know if that's really about myself, but just more like a reframing of my own like thoughts on like what we're doing and that kind of thing. And it's through both the research that we're doing and the community who of people who are like really excited about what we're doing. Is there an end game? Is there is there a point where you say, um, you know, this this is what we want to accomplish, or is it just we're in it now because somebody told us that we couldn't? <laughs> and and we're going to and we're going to keep this thing going we're going to tell as many stories as as we possibly can. We don't quite have an end game. I think some of us have mentioned that our we're our goal is that Julia Morgan and Norma Marx Galeric, Lena Bobardi, all these ladies are as well known as Le Corbusier. So maybe when I see as much written about them <laughs> as I see about Le Corbusier, Miss Vanderbilt and all these other guys Maybe I'll feel like our work is at a good stopping point, but I don't see that happening very soon. Yeah. I think we're just having fun. You know, yeah. Kind of related to that, Mark had made a comment earlier saying that um, architecture schools are teaching using your show as curriculum. So that's so exciting. Who's which? Do you know which schools are doing that? Oh, I don't know which school in particular. It was a professor in a Twitter that said that we're on somebody's syllabus. So yeah. We want all the schools. 
So that's our, I guess, one of our goals is how do we get not necessarily like our content in their curriculum, but to make sure that the stories that we're telling are also becoming someone's history. Have you written to all of the schools and told them about your podcast? So at least they know about it. Um, So this is our side project um, because we still have regular jobs. (laughs) (laughs) All those pesky regular jobs, they get in the way of. Yeah. One day, one day we're working on it. Yeah. Yeah, we. That's one of our goals. Get better at um, what's it called? Just marketing. 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 Yeah. Marketing well, you ourselves. Know, <laughs> you know, what, maybe all of us can help you by just writing to our own architecture schools and letting them know about your show. Because you don't have to write to everybody. We could write to our own. We love that. We would love the help. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think we all should. So. Thank you. I love the way that you do research where you collect all the information, then you kind of teach each other about it. And it reminds me of the way that um, my great grandmother was in this want to know club where women, because they weren't, they would, they would research something and then they would come bring it to the group and tell everybody. And there was never allowed to be any food or anything else that was women related, you know, or typical hostess stuff. So it was all about just learning whatever it was. And so I just teaching each other that way and doing the research. I just like that model. I think that's one of the things that we chose the format that we did is because, okay, so Lizzie, she likes history. Nerdry likes history. I like history, but I'm not going to lie. If it's boring, I'm going to fall asleep. (laughs) So if we tell the stories in the way that we do, we hope that it's a little bit more engaging. We always say like, it's like if you're talking to your friends over coffee and just like, hey, I heard this cool story about so-and-so. And And that's kind of like how we started it, just to make it more fun and more Mm -hmm. relatable and more engaging. Yeah, like your Kate Gleason um, episode that I was listening to and all the scuttlebutt with her brother, Andrew, kicking her out and all the rest of it. Like that was just like you're talking about somebody, you know, that we all know or that we haven't heard about in a long time. Like whatever happened to her? Well, she, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's, yeah, it's pretty engaging. I like it. <laughs> What's funny is that we'll respond even like we'll listen back to episodes and we'll respond the same way that yeah. we would in the episode or we've had a lot of people tell us that they're, it's like if they're trying to have a conversation with us as they're listening to us, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> they just want to be a part yeah. of the conversation. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I, that's, I think that's a really good sign, right? You've got, you've reached that level of engagement that, that can really drive these conversations and drive the audience. That's good. Um, here, so one thing I would do, everybody that's, that's watching this now uh, or, or will watch this in the future because obviously it's recorded. Uh, or hear the podcast version of it, take maybe the easiest thing to do is to go over to YouTube, go to the Entree Architect YouTube channel when this is over and grab the link for this video and send it to your favorite professor. So go over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel, grab the link for this video and send it to your favorite professor, all of your favorite professors. Because I think, you know, I I think about, you know, you may have noticed I teach per practice in a little bit of a non-traditional way. I use podcasts and all kinds of things as as resources. If we're really going to, uh, if we're going to really going to get these stories into curriculum, you know, Nordry said, you know, when when there's as much written uh, about some of these ladies as Corbu or or Mies or whoever, then you'll feel like you know you've you've kind of done your job. That takes a long time. So getting getting the media that we have available. YouTube videos, the, your podcast itself, getting that in front of people, professors that are open enough to to include that as resources in the class. And there's that's a hurdle too. It's a bunch of old guys, 
<laughs> older. They're all older than me. Um, but um, <laughs> but I think I think that's a way that you could really accelerate this as well. So send it out. Send it to your professors. That's what you need to do. Thank you. I want to give a shout out to our show notes. So when we think of like research and stuff, we always make it a point to credit our resources. So we kind of treat it almost like a research paper as well. So we kind of use it to that one, like if I'm a student and I want to write a paper, what are the sources that I can use? And sometimes it's easy to just find all the sources of one thing in one. So that's kind of like how we use our show notes so that it becomes also like a springboard for others to do their own research. But kind of give them a head start so it'd be good in the more academic setting as well yeah, nice nice yeah and there's there's a lot of research i mean not as much as we'd like but i have hope i mean there's um the international archive of women in architecture is one of the first places i learned about because through the show i learned about milka bliznakov who started this and it's in virginia tech yeah uh, virginia tech yes yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's in Virginia Tech and it's a huge resource of materials from all sorts of women in architecture. And they're constantly asking, they have all these calls to action, asking uh, women in the profession to submit their work and they have all these conferences. So we get information from them. And then there's another one that we use that I don't want to butcher the name. So Jessica, please. The Beverly Willis Architecture Foundation. So she's also really uh, great. Yeah. And she has a whole website and art. Yeah, it's the Pioneering Women in Architecture. Yeah. And Madame Architect, um, Undion Arquitecta. Yeah. And, you know, one time I was researching, we don't only talk about women architects. We also try to expand it to women in the profession of construction. So I was researching the first woman to graduate as an engineer in the U.S. And that was Elizabeth Bragg. And for the longest time, that's all I could learn from her, that she graduated. Done. And, <laughs> and then we months later, I decided, let me try again. And there was a new resource. I was like, yay. So, you know, sometimes we look back and there's a new article written about these ladies. And that gives me hope that this research is being done and it's getting better. And So is there some sort of momentum that you see? I mean, you're, you're, you're making waves. Right. If you're if you're pulling all this research together, uh, you know, you're, you just named off a whole lot of places that you can go to accumulate this research. But then you're putting it together in an episode, in a story and in the show notes that a student could go to, you know, like it's the bibliography. Right. So so you're pushing in it in that direction. But do you see momentum headed in that direction since, hey, this popped up since the first time I looked? Is there momentum in a positive direction that says, hey, maybe maybe there is progress being made here. I think so. I see it in two ways. Or um, uh, the our caryatids that we we have. Um, when I think it was Kate Gleason that we had a caryatid that was a a plumber or a tradesman work tradeswoman working today, and once we like announced that she was our caryatid this whole slew of like women in trade and construction started to like rally and like applaud this caryatid. So I think more recognition and exposure is happening on the today side. And then recently we had um, someone do like a spotlight on one of our ladies that we did. Up until this point, I had not 
if it wasn't for my own research, I hadn't heard of the lady. So to see someone else also do a spotlight on this one, that's how we make the Julia Morgans become as well known as Corbusier, yeah. just this recognition. So I think there's a momentum. It's slow, but it's, it's, it's happening. Yeah, but I, I do think so too, just because like there are more of these websites coming up that like we're using. Uh-huh. And so it's great for us because it's like good resources. But I do think, you know, we're seeing more and more um, of those kinds of resources and books coming out and things yeah. like that, which is really great to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you have, a, it is great for you because you can, it assists with your research, but then you have a platform where you can leverage that into in, you know into your um into your art into your version of of the uh the story so um i i, I love the way it's it all comes together i didn't even realize you know the sort of the perfect storm there that's great one of our favorite resources is a book and it's such a favorite that the name is escaping me right now the <laughs> women of steel and stone by anna lewis what kind of book is it is it a novel or a story or non-fiction it's nonfiction. It's actually like little biographies about like a bunch of different women and it's architects, uh, engineers and landscape architects. Huh. And I think it was marketed as a young adult, but like for, you know, young, young girls adult. to learn like these mm-hmm. stories about women. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I should be able to understand it. That means hopefully <laughs> it's an easy read. She had lots of research and it's, she has sources too, which is nice. Cause then like you can refer to those as well. And, also, once you hear the name and hear a little bit of the story, then you see it everywhere after that, it feels like. Yes, exactly. Yep. Well, Mark uh, Mark wants to know, Mark Arla Page wants to know, when is the She Builds book being released? Listen, man. Great question. <laughs> right after we get better at marketing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that we're putting it out there, you know? Like, yeah, we yeah. want to do that. Yeah, yeah we want yes. to do it. It's part of yeah. one of our goals. We're starting merch. As we're hoping to release that soon. And yeah. somebody asked how long the seasons are too. They're 10 episodes each. Yeah. Because you do a recap plus each of you do three reports, basically. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. right. Cool. Hey, um, I know we only have a couple minutes, but what are your day jobs? You all work as architects? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I am an architectural designer at E-Studio Architecture here in Houston, Texas. And we do a little bit of a lot. We're a 30-person firm, so I get to wear many hats and learn a lot. Right now, I'm working on retail, which I'm really enjoying. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, I work at a small residential firm up in Marin County, outside of San Francisco, uh, Polsky Perlstein Architects. We're about 10 people, and uh, we do single-family residential remodels, new builds, that kind of thing. So, And I like, you know, we can... I'm a uh, architectural designer there and yeah, we do start to finish. So it's fun. Lizzie's licensed by the way. I was going to say, you're an architect. I was to say, I, yeah. I was like, I don't remember what my actual title is. That was like the pause. I was like, I don't remember what I'm called now, but I'm an architect. Yeah. Congratulations. Say it proud. Yeah. I'm not an architect yet, but um, I'm actually, I'm working in practice. I work at a small residential firm here in uh, Miami. Uh, but prior to that, I had spent the past five years working at in Washington, D.C. at the AIA headquarters. So but now I'm in practice. So it's been a, an interesting transition. I'm sure. Great. I'm sure. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks. So with that, Lizzie and Jessica and Norjury, thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you for the podcast. 
And then thank you and, and all of the research and the storytelling and everything else. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you, thank you for having us. It was yeah, great. It was great, it was great it was that really we could great. pull this together like this. This is a lot of fun. And as always, Catherine, thank you for co-hosting with me. You're welcome. And to uh, everybody out there in our audience, thank you. I say this every week, but it is because of you that we were able to have this conversation. It, you know, we're 700 and some odd context and clarity conversations in at this point. If it weren't for you, we wouldn't have the ability to reach out to Lizzie and and Jessica and Norgery and say, hey, can we can we talk about this? So thank you uh, a little bit selfishly for this opportunity. I appreciate it. And uh, my hope is that all of you will be safe, stay well, keep those around you safe and well, find some time to breathe and relax, find a way to rejuvenate because we do this every day. You've got to pace yourself. You've got to find a way to, to recover and do it again tomorrow. Well, what do you think? Did you hear something in this conversation that you can use maybe in your practice or even in your life? If the topic of this conversation is of particular interest to you, every week in the Entree Architect Network, I host the Context and Clarity Classroom. It's our weekly opportunity to take what we've learned from our special guests and put those lessons into action in your life and in your work. Find the Context and Clarity Classroom exclusively inside the Entree Architect Network at network.entrearchitect.com. And if you are so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to YouTube. Find the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. You can also have the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week. Just give us a rating and subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Your likes and your ratings and your shares all help us help other entrepreneur architects like you. And together, they help us build the largest worldwide community of small firm architects. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment. And it's the home of context and clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know that you're going to find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. So thanks for listening. I hope this conversation has inspired you to think about how you can build your business into something that allows you to practice the way that you want to practice. Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. 
You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here.